In this episode of Industrial Industries World Radio, we're going to talk about the New England Confectionery Company, also known as NECO. We're going to talk about its story of its rise and fall, and we're also going to try out some NECO wafers. And it's all starting right now. Well, hello, kings and queens. What's going on out there? This is your buddy. I'm your host, Mr. DJ Glowing Ice. Ready for another episode of Industrial Industries World Radio. And this is episode 56. And today, we are covering the history of the Neko Company, the Neko Candy Company. And they are famous for the Neko wafers that a lot of people like to joke and poke fun at and say it tastes like chalk. Um, if you have that kind of frame of reference, uh, I, I don't know if I really want to talk to you if uh, you, you uh, have an idea of what chalk actually tastes like. Regardless, we're talking about the Neko Candy Company and all of its candies. I, I, I bet you didn't know that they had a huge catalog, a massive catalog of candies, but they kind of just fizzled out towards the 80s and 90s, and they're struggling. They're relying on that nostalgic appeal to make people keep buying the old-fashioned candies. I appreciate anything, even if it's old-fashioned, new, whatever. It doesn't bother me because, you know, regardless if it was 300 years ago or today, we still have the same kind of taste buds, I would like to say. But some, I think these days a lot of people are very oversaturated with sugar. So when they try some of these older candies, they're like, Ugh, I need something that's just... I need more sugar, something that desensitizes everything at all times. Please, more, more, more. But anyways, yes, we are taking a look at Neko, the history of it, how it all started, and how it met its demise just a few years ago, and how it's kind of been rebirthed. Not by Neko, but by other candy companies that adopted their candies, like, you know, lost orphans. And they're like, hey, come on over here. We're, we'll help you out. And uh, that's that's how we're able to actually try Neko wafers in this episode and uh, see what they're all about, see what they actually do taste like, because I have not had a Neko wafer in my entire life. Do they taste bad? Do they taste good? Or uh, just uh, in the middle? I don't know. We shall find out. And we're also going to cover the sweethearts, you know, those little candy sweethearts that we'd get at Valentine's Day in elementary school and like all the little sayings on it. We're going to learn the story of how those came to be as well, because, yes, the maker of uh, Neko wafers also makes those. And yeah. So, yeah. Also, one more thing. We are going to try to uncover a mystery. Upon my research, Neko wafers have eight flavors, so they say. But looking back in older advertisements from the 1910s, 1920s, it included nine flavors. And for the life of me, I could not find a list of the original nine flavors of Neko wafers. So with my deep digging and my research... And looking through everything like a big old giant nerd, we're going to attempt to uncover the mystery of what the ninth Neko wafer flavor was. So, this is going to be a huge action-packed episode learning everything you've ever needed to know about Neko, the New England Confectionery Company. 
We're going to go over all the varieties of candies they did sell and uh, some fun facts as well. So, yeah, this is going to be a good one. This is episode 56 of Industrial Industries World Radio. And before we get any further into the history of NECO, let's check the date with Past, Present, Future. Past, Present, Future. Today is January 22nd, and it's National Blonde Brownie Day. Also called a blondie, blonde brownies are actually older than chocolate brownies. As chocolate brownie recipes appeared for the first time in 1906, blondie recipes appeared at least 10 years earlier in the 1800s. In the past on this day in 2002, big box retail store Kmart filed for bankruptcy. Presently, it's time to party, as the forecast calls for partly cloudy skies with a high of 34 degrees in the small town region. And in the future, it's projected that the ozone layer will make a full recovery by the year 2060. January 22nd is the 22nd day of the year, and there are 343 days left of the year 2021. Celebrity birthdays for today, TV personality and chef Guy Fieri is 53, actress Diane Lane is 56, and the Grand Prince of Russia, Ivan the Great, was born on this day in 1440. And if it's your birthday, I want to personally wish you a very happy birthday today. Go out there and enjoy it. It's your day. Do as you please, and happy birthday. This past, present, and future is brought to you by Paul and Sons Small Town Roofing. Serving the small town community for six years and ready to fix any roofing job you need. From old leaky roofs, lightning strikes, or just a Saturday night mishap with your Dodge Ram, Paul and Sons Small Town Roofing is here to help. The shop, located on Wood Street, right next to the bait shop, they're right down the street to help you out. It's Paul and Sons Small Town Roofing. Because a roof is a good thing to have. I love it. I listen to it all the time. Industrial Industries World Radio. Yeah, best radio station ever. Yeah, good as always, sweetie. Hey. <laughs> what do you think, sweetie? You are listening to IIWR. And this is the history of Neko Candy. New England Confectionery Company, or Neko, as it's called for short, starts its story in 1847 by a man named Oliver Chase. Oliver Chase was born in 1821 in England. He wound up immigrating over to the United States in the 1840s. Living in the town of Boston, Massachusetts, he was working as a pharmacist and he spent most of his days making lozenges. Lozenges are medicinal tablets that you put into your mouth and you suck on to relieve some kind of pain. So for example, cough drops are lozenges. Now lozenges back then were highly popular because, well, they were mixed with opium. So naturally, lozenges became highly addictive and they were seen as like a cure-all. If you had a headache or you had a toothache, or whatever was ailing you, you just pop in a medicinal opium lozenge and you feel better. 
Now, there's no proof that Oliver Chase was making the same kind of opium-laced lozenges, but given the time period, I would say yes. But regardless, Oliver was making lozenges at his pharmacy. Making lozenges back then was a time-consuming thing. You'd have to crush everything up in a mortar and pestle, mixing up sugar, gum paste, add the drugs, and then you'd have this big glob of dough. And then you'd roll this dough into a nice rope roll, and then you'd cut the rope into pieces that would end up being the lozenges. Chase, at one point, decided he was going to make lozenges without the medicine in it, just as a candy. And back then, the best place to find candy was at a pharmacy, so it worked out well for Chase. These candy lozenges started really taking off. They were a huge hit, and he couldn't keep up with the demand. So that's when he decided to find a way to make these candy lozenges in a much more efficient way. Being handy and inventive, he wound up building a small hand crank machine made of two rollers, these rollers had lozenge-sized circle indentions on them pressed together. Chase would then feed a sheet of sugar dough into this machine as he turned the crank, and on the other side would pop out dozens and dozens of these lozenges. As Oliver Chase made this machine just to keep up with the demand of the candy lozenges, he had just created the first machine that would start the American candy industry. Now, to clue you in on how NECO was formed, NECO came about from the formation of three different candy companies in one. So a couple of years later, in 1849, the second out of the three candy companies that would form NECO, coming out of Boston, Massachusetts, was by Daniel Phobes. He became partners with a confectioner by the name of Joseph Ball, and they formed Ball and Phobes who also made lozenges. In 1850, Oliver Chase opens up a factory in South Boston with his brother Daniel, where Oliver then invents a machine that can pulverize sugar. This invention that Oliver created would crush sugar into a powder form that would then turn it into confectioner's sugar. The Chase brothers then produced lozenges known as the Chase lozenge on a much larger scale. 1854, we go back to Ball and Phobes and what they're up to, and they perfected the art of making oriental candy, which then turned into them making the candy called the Turkish Delight. 1856, another candy maker from Boston, William Wright. He got into making hard candy based off the candies made in Britain. He then partners with confectioner Charles Bird, and they form Bird, Wright, and Company. Bird, Wright, and Company would be the third company that would make the three companies that turned into the company Necco. 1860, Phobes buys out another confectioner to grow his company, making a variety of low-priced candies. It's Industrial Industries World Radio's debut album, Songs and Skits of Seasons 1 and 2. All the songs you heard in the episodes are all here, like the uplifting It's Gonna Be Okay. Hey, 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 it's gonna be okay. Check out the hot and hip Rap Song 2020. Wiener. 
balls. Rap song 2020. Rap song 2020. And don't forget the classic hit, Fart in Your Face. I want to fart on a guitar. I want to fart on a power bill. I want to fart on fresh fruit. I want to fart in your face. All of the best songs and skits from the first two seasons of IIWR are right here. Industrial Industries World Radio's songs and skits of seasons one and two. Check it out on Spotify, iTunes, and anywhere else you can stream and download music. Eighteen sixty one saw the American Civil War going on, and some Union soldiers from Boston were carrying Chase Lasanges, and they were given the nickname Hub Wafers as they came from the city of Boston, and Hub is a nickname for Boston. 1864, with the lozenges Oliver Chase made, now going by the name Chase Lozenges, Oliver's brother, Daniel Chase, takes the lozenge machine to Chicago, Illinois to expand the growing market out west. 1865, Ball retires from Ball and Phobes, which left Phobes to hire on Daniel and Albert Hayward into the business, renaming the company Phobes Hayward and Company. 1866, uh, this is a big year, all right? What am I talking about? Well, Oliver's brother, Daniel, creates the conversation candy. Daniel had the idea from another candy that was really popular at the time called cockles. Cockles were a small, crisp candy made of flour and sugar, and they were in the shape of a seashell, and inside of the seashell had a piece of paper inside with some kind of saying or motto printed on it. Kind of like a fortune cookie in a way. Daniel Chase wound up evolving the cockle into taking the sayings and printing them straight onto the candy itself. He first experimented putting the printing on the candies with hand tools, and then he moved on to putting the messages on the candy by using a felt roller pad. And fun fact is, the ink, quote-unquote, that is put on these motto candies is actually red vegetable oil. Now, these candies with mottos stamped on them weren't just hearts. Back in the day, they had all different kinds of shaped candies with mottos printed on them, Some of the shapes were baseballs, postcards, your regular old lozenge, horseshoes, and pocket watches. These first versions of motto candies were a lot larger than the sweethearts that we see today. So, obviously, that left room to print a lot more stuff. These motto candies, at the beginning, were specially ordered for either weddings or birthdays, or any kind of uh, occasion. The wedding-style conversation hearts that were a lot larger had sayings like, Married in pink, he will take a drink, or Married in white, you will have chosen right. And another one, Married in satin, love will not be lasting. The Sweethearts brand conversation hearts that we see today came out in 1902, and like I said, they're much smaller than the original motto hearts, and it basically limits things to two to three words at most. 
1871 came and they hit a rough patch, at least the Chase family did, when the Great Fire of Chicago hit Daniel Chase's Chicago base of operation for the western expansion of Chase Candy. Everything Daniel had in Chicago was gone. He then decided to pack up and head back home to Boston. When Daniel came back, he started working for Phobes Hayward and Company, who have now become wholesalers and manufacturers of candy on a much larger scale. With Daniel Chase now on board, he became a huge asset to the company with his conversation candies. And then the very next year, the Chase brothers, they just can't get a break. As in Boston now... Oliver Chase's building is burned to the ground in the Great Boston Fire of 1872. The next year, in 1873, Oliver then turns to T. Pickering Drown, a man who made a fortune as a merchant selling teas and silks in the China trade. With Chase now becoming partners with Drown, Chase's company now becomes Chase & Company. In 1877, Daniel Phobes retires from Phobes Hayward and Company, and his son Edwin Phobes steps into the company to work his way to the top. Then we jump to 1888, where Oliver Chase, at the age of 67, retires from Chase and Company, and T. Pickering Drown becomes the president and treasurer. And then in 1890, this is something I came across. And it was a list of things that Chase & Company sold, uh, just like a one-page kind of catalog-type deal. Now, I gotta tell you, the lozenge game was no joke. I, I couldn't believe how many things were listed that were just straight lozenges. But anyways, on this ad, Chase & Company claimed that they were the largest lozenge manufactory in the world. This catalog had two sections of lozenges, a big old vast variety of both conversation or what they call motto lozenges, and then they had other types of lozenges called the Eagle Wafer variety. Now the Eagle Wafer variety went from fruit cream to Boston wafers or hub wafers, Necco wafers eventually, to cough drops and other more medicinal lozenges. After the advancements in steam power and the enrober to bring down costs of making chocolates, the idea of a union came into place between the three Boston candy companies. Chase & Company, Phobes Hayward & Company, and Wright & Moody. Together, they put $1 million of capital up and they formed into one giant company. And this company was called the New England Confectionery Company, or NECO for short. Nineteen oh two, NECO moves into the newly built and largest manufacturing plant for candy in all of the United States. It's located in Boston at Summer and Melcher Street. The candy making plant was made up of four buildings that each stood five stories high. By 1905, NECO was selling candy in every single state in the United States Union, 
along with Europe, England, South America, Australia, and South Africa. 1906, as sales and money was rolling in for Neko, Neko did something that made everybody happy. Neko had started a profit-sharing plan. The benefit payouts were based on a percent of what the worker earned at Neko throughout that year. And then back into the candy side of things, Neko also introduced Lennox chocolates. In 1912, Neko wafers are being advertised in magazines, alongside of Hub wafers as well, where they're the same thing, just in different wrapping. 1920, besides the profit-sharing benefits, Neko took another step and ensured all of the lives of everybody working at Neko. For example, if you just started out working at Neko all the way up to three months, your life was insured with $500. And then every year after that, you get another $100 added to your policy up until it topped out at $1,000. Looking back on this, this is 1920. So $1,000 in 1920 in today's money would be almost $13,000. 1922, Neko looks back at when Oliver Chase first started it all in 1847, and they celebrate their 75th anniversary. And they honor some of their employees who had worked at Neko for a really long time. These employees individually, one worked for 37 years, one for 39 one for 40, and a fourth employee working at Neko for 53 years. Through their profit-sharing plan, in just that year alone, they paid out $110,000. By today's money, that's $1.7 million. In 1927, Neko then moved its factory by the Charles River. The buildings of this new Neko plant had all the top-of-the-line stuff, just the state-of-the-art, best equipment that you could get. And this is what helped Neko become one of the largest candy companies in the United States at that time. In 1933, there was a company called Lovell and & Covell, and they were famous for their big boxed chocolates, and they called it their Chocolate Masterpieces products. They joined Neko, and... With this partnership, or just becoming part of Neko, it made Neko become what the candy industry calls a general line house. This meant that Neko made candy for all across the board, from penny candy all the way up to specialty products and chocolates. In 1937, Neko Sales Corporation of New York City is created to help distribute their entire line of products in the New York City area. 1938, Neko then introduces the Sky Bar candy bar. It's a molded chocolate bar with four different flavor centers in one candy bar. They advertise this unique candy bar through a skywriting advertising campaign. And if you want to know more about the Sky Bar candy bar, we covered it on a previous episode on this podcast, episode 55. So if you want to know more, check it out, episode 55. Moving on, 1942, with the United States involved with World War II, the U.S. government kind of turned Neko into a factory space making materials for the war, along with the rest of the factory making rations for the military. A majority of the Neko wafers did go overseas, and this was because Neko wafers didn't melt, and they could last a real, real 
long time. <laughs> and this is what made World War II veterans so fond of NECA wafers because they had them during the war. And that's what really did an uptick on sales of NECA wafers. So, World War II veterans? Big fans of NECA wafers. 1945, with the war finally over and the signs start lighting up New York City for the first time after years of wartime blackout, Neko's Candy Bar, the Sky Bar, has its sign lit up in the city during the celebration. Neko then got back to producing candy full-time and went ahead with plans to modernize its factory to be more efficient than ever. 1947, Neko celebrates its 100th anniversary. 1956, with an exclusive agreement with Macintosh of England, Neko starts producing the caramel and chocolate Rolo candies, making Rolo candies available for the first time in the United States. In 1960, Neko bought fellow Boston candy manufacturer Page & Shaw, in this company, Page & Shaw, they specialized in chocolate. They were one of the largest candy manufacturers in the United States. The beginning of the 1960s was a really rough patch for Neko as they started to get into financial trouble. With the almost worldwide expansion of the other candy companies, Mars and Hershey, it was making things harder and harder for Neko to try to keep up with everything. In 1963... Neko still being a family-owned company, the family members all got together and they decided that Neko should be sold. And they sold Neko to United Industrial Syndicate of New York. 1970, to try to generate some buzz, Neko goes on a nationwide advertisement campaign focusing on a cartoon character called the Neko Kid. After the buyout in 1963, the 1970s was spent with a lot of reorganizing the company. Neko went through seven presidents, all the way up until 1978, when a man who worked at Neko for 10 years was appointed as president of Neko, and this man was Dominic Antonellis. In 1980, Neko buys out the company Gum Products, along with its brand Cumberland Valley. And Cumberland Valley were the originators of the candy buttons. In 1989, Neko then bought out the other competitor of candy buttons, which made Neko the exclusive manufacturer of candy buttons. All the way up until 1990, Neko's brand of conversation hearts were called Neko's Sweet Talk. The other competitor was from the Stark Candy Company, with their Sweethearts brand of Candy Hearts. But in 1990, Neko bought out the Stark Candy Company. This made Neko the manufacturing leader of Conversation Hearts, and they wound up taking on the Sweethearts brand of Candy Hearts. Throughout the early to mid-1990s, Neko kind of shopped till they dropped. They bought out all kinds of different smaller, older candy companies that were Kind of in trouble, and they wound up buying a part of Glen Candy Company and Falcon Candy Company. Now, with this buyout, it made Neko become the maker of Mary Jane's and also the leading maker of peanut butter kisses and saltwater taffy. 
And then also throughout this shopping spree, Neko bought Borden Candy products and they renamed it Haviland Candy. And then in 1996, as Neko's 150th anniversary was coming up the next year, the water tower on top of the Neko factory was painted to look like a roll of Neko wafers. This water tower became a very nice signature of the Boston skyline. And then in 1999, Neko ended the millennium with a bang. Couldn't think of a better way to end it than by buying out Clark Bar America Incorporated. And this made Neko the owner and manufacturer of the Clark Bar. September 2002, the employees of Neko decided to go on strike against the new move that Neko was planning on doing the next year. They were striking over concerns about their health and also job security. The strike lasted for 29 days and all went back to normal basically after that. In 2003, Neko moved to its final factory in Revere, Massachusetts. This new home for Neko Candy spanned over 810,000 square feet. The move was meant to bring all three Massachusetts factories into one building along with an additional warehouse. Now at this point, Neko saw themselves as a candy company based on nostalgia. They based their sales on people looking back and wanting candy that they had back in their childhood. Even so, Neko was looking for a way to expand. They created a partnership with AutoZone car parts stores to sell Neko wafers, Clark bars, and Sky bars at the front next to the cash registers. Neko also threw their hat in the ring, along with some other candy companies, to work with Disney to make some candies based on Disney characters. The subsidiary between Neko and Disney wound up being called Imagination Confections. Neko saw this partnership with Disney as very promising, but if you look and just do a quick Google search of Imagination Confections, there's not much that pops up. So that leads me to the idea that Imagination Confections really didn't do too much. In 2004, Neko got the license to make squirrel nut candies, and they start producing squirrel nut zippers and squirrel nut chews. So even with the new move, Neko combining all three of their factories into one building and buying up all these older and smaller candy companies, Neko was still falling behind. From 2005 onward, Neko would only be making $100 million in revenue a year. December 2007, Neko was bought out by American Capital Strategies. On May 2008, as foreign candies became a major competitor to Neko, and combined that with the rising sales of sugar in general, in order to keep themselves afloat, Neko closed a factory in Pawakee, Wisconsin. By 2009, the big fad of everything being all natural came to Neko as well, so Neko made an attempt to make Neko wafers all natural. They completely changed the formula up and they took out all of the artificial flavors and coloring. 
This is when Neko had a problem with the lime-flavored Neko wafer, where they couldn't find an all-natural green food coloring. This led to the lime-flavored Neko wafer being cut, so the all-natural Neko wafers had seven flavors instead of eight. Most of the fans of Neko wafers gave these all-natural Neko wafers a huge resounding no, as they complained to Neko asking to bring the old style of Neko wafers back. This all-natural switch of the Neko wafers really hurt business more than it helped. So American Capital looked at the numbers, and by November 2010, they put Neko up for sale. But right after that, they pulled the for sale sign away, and they started strategizing on how to build Neko back up. Their plan was to cut the all-natural Neko wafers and listen to the fans and bring back the original Neko wafers with the lime flavor. They also wanted to start developing new brands of candies. In 2011, Neko kind of got themselves into some hot water in the city of Revere, Massachusetts, where their headquarters was located. To save you all from all the piles and piles of legal stuff and jabber-jabber and all that... I'll just break it down just a slight bit easier. You still have to use your brain, but here we go. So, NECO applied for, and they were granted, into an economic development program for Revere, Massachusetts, the city. And what this program would do would save NECO some money. So, instead of paying over a million dollars in property taxes yearly, they would save themselves a nice chunk of change by only paying $750,000 instead. But one of the stipulations in this agreement to get the tax cut was to create new jobs for the people of Revere, Massachusetts. The city of Revere found out that out of the 483 people that worked for NACO, only 30 of them actually lived in Revere. So 30 people out of the 483 actually living in Revere, didn't meet the requirements that was in the agreement to give Neko the tax cut. Now, these kind of things with big companies kind of get swept under the rug quite a bit. And Neko was kind of used as a punching bag. And the reason this was even brought to light was that there was a messy election happening at that time. And Neko was always a big talking point every single time an election was brought up. So needless to say, after all the court appearances and the defense and the plaintiff and all that kind of stuff, it was dismissed and Neko was able to go on with their lives and continue to make candy. July 2013, Neko then ran into another problem, and this was with the United Service Organizations, or USO for short. It's the nonprofit charity organization that puts shows on for American troops overseas. Now, what made the USO want to sue Neko? Well, back in 2009, USO and Neko had a one year agreement where NECO would donate $75,000 to the USO, which would then let them use USO trademarks on their specially branded Sweethearts candy. This special patriotic version of Sweethearts had red, white, and blue colored Sweethearts in their packaging. This version was called the Red, White, and You Sweethearts. They would be put in care packages that would be sent to troops overseas, along with being sold in stores. 
These hearts had sayings printed on them like, Home Safe, Proud of You, the letter U, and USO. But after the year marketing deal that they did have with the USO, Neko kept selling patriotic sweethearts using the USO trademarks years afterwards. So the USO, still seeing their trademark being used on Neko candies without getting any contribution for it after the fact, took them to court. Inevitably, the case was dismissed as it was settled out of court. 2014, Al Gulachensky takes over as CEO of Neko, and he aimed to rebuild Neko's brand, its market share, and to expand it. Skip ahead a few more years, and May 2017, the Neko plant in Revere was then sold to two real estate developments for $54 million. As Neko didn't own the building anymore, they then leased the space from the real estate developers. And then we get to the year 2018. The year of reckoning for Neko. In March of 2018, as Neko was looking for a new buyer, Chief Executive Michael McGee stated that if they didn't find a buyer, layoffs would happen by May 2018. And then we get to May of 2018 where, yes, they didn't find a buyer and Neko started selling all of its assets at a bankruptcy auction. And this is when the Spangler Company, the company famous for its dum-dum suckers that you usually get at the bank, they step up and they win the auction for $18.83 million. After Spangler looked into the Neko assets that they just won, they didn't like what they saw. And by the contract and agreement of the auction, they had the right to back out. So they did. The runner-up bidder at the auction was Roundhill Investments. They then bought Neko's assets for $17.33 million. Roundhill Investments continued to make candy out of the Revere facility for two more months, and then they closed abruptly. They had no idea how unsanitary the factory really was up until the last minute, so that's what caused the abrupt shutdown of the factory. Roundhill Investments then decided to sell the Neko properties off. Spangler Candy Company felt like when they originally won Neko's assets, they should have got it at a lower price. So this was their second chance. Spangler wound up buying Neko wafers, sweethearts, and Canada mints, and they left all of the other Neko assets unclaimed. By the end of September 2018, Equipment and the other Neko candy properties were being sold off. Candy Buttons, Clark Bar, Haviland Mints, Mighty Malk Milk Balls, Banana Split and Mint Julep Chews, Mary Jane's, The Sky Bar, and others all were bought by smaller candy companies. So, with Neko now gone, and the Revere, Massachusetts location completely empty, it was announced in October 2019 that online shopping website Amazon was going to use the old Neko headquarters as a delivery station. Now, what is an Amazon delivery station? Here's how it goes down. The packages from fulfillment centers would reach these stations, and then at these stations are drivers that would then deliver these packages right to the doors of homes. And sadly, through 2019... Sweethearts did not come out for Valentine's Day. 
January 2020, Spangler did put out Sweethearts, but they came out at a lower rate than usual, and a lot of the sayings and mottos on these hearts weren't printed on them. This was due to a problem with tearing down the machines that made the hearts and delivering them to the Spangler headquarters. Now, some of these machines were massive, and they had to hoist them up with a crane and pull them out from the roof of the Neko factory. At Spangler, when they were putting together all these machines to make the candy hearts, they also had to order new parts and new equipment as well to get everything going. And when they brought these new pieces of equipment in, things got damaged, and there was a problem. Spangler wasn't able to make as many sweethearts as people were used to. May 28th, 2020, after two years of being off the shelves, Spangler Candy Company announced that Neko wafers were in production and ready for release. The only change was that the chocolate Neko wafer had a richer cocoa flavor added to it. July 2020, Amazon officially began using the old Neko building as a delivery station. And now we get to the year 2021. January 2021, Sweethearts are now out in full force and the universe is now back to normal. And as the future of Neko as a company is no longer foreseeable, the name and its candy has seen it all. Through the American Civil War, the invention of the car, airplanes, world wars, all that stuff, and thanks to Spangler and a lot of other smaller candy companies, Neko's name and its candies will live on for generations to come. And that is the history of Neko Candy. everybody so we learned all about the history of Neko and now it's time to take a deeper dive into the Neko wafers themselves and to also <clears throat> take a look at the mystery of the lost ninth Neko wafer flavor let's take a look at the Neko wafers at the earliest point that we saw advertising for it so, we're looking at the one-page catalog from the Chase & Company from 1890, and the list on this catalog goes as follows. So, we had the Boston, Hub, or Neko wafers, all the same thing. And then there were also wafers called the Victoria wafers. And then we had full-sized lozenges. Pekin, Parisian, Midget, English Coltsfoot, Diamond Mint and Wintergreen, Black Mint and Wintergreen, Nonpareil, Cachao, Druggist Musk, Fluted Musk, Excelsior Musk, Cough Drops, Chlorate Potassa, Rainbow, and Cream Fruit Lozenges. And then we had another section of this 1890 Chase & Company catalog, which were for the conversation lozenges. So first we had the classic heart-shaped that were a lot larger than the classic sweethearts we have today. And they were called Cupid Hearts. And then we had Tattlers, Little Gems, Star and Arrow Hearts, 
and conundrums, whenever those are. Didn't really look into it too much. And besides wafers and lozenges, Chase and Company also sold candy cigarettes and suckers as well. So since NECO was formed in 1901, we could only suspect that in that same year, the Hub Wafers had their name changed to NECO Wafers. The original colorful assortment roll of NECO Wafers are still the same flavors that you can try to this day. So let's go over the flavors. The first flavor we have is chocolate, which is the brown wafer. Then we have cinnamon, which is the white. Clove, the purple. Lemon is the yellow wafer. Licorice is the dark bluish purple wafer. Neko describes it as a black color, but it's, it's dark purple. Then we have the lime flavor, which is the green wafer. Orange is obviously the orange wafer and wintergreen, which is the pink-colored wafer. Now, be ready to have your mind blown, because I did not know this, and chances are, if you're not a Neko aficionado, you didn't know this either. So, uh, this is fun to just look at all the different varieties of Neko wafers they did have. So, besides the standard eight-flavor assortment, they also had a chocolate variety roll, which was four chocolate flavors, milk chocolate, dark chocolate, white chocolate, and mocha. And then they had an all-chocolate roll, which was the traditional chocolate, the milk chocolate flavor. And then we had an all-candy-cane flavor roll. There was an all-wintergreen flavor roll. And all-cinnamon flavor roll, too. And at some point, they did have an all-peppermint roll as well. And that got discontinued, but we'll get into that a little bit later. And then we had a tropical Necco wafers assortment that had the flavors of coconut, passion fruit, strawberry, lime, banana, and mango. And then we had the smart fruits Necco wafers that were all natural and claimed to have real fruit antioxidants. So there were four flavors of the smart fruits Necco wafers. They were lemon and goji, pomegranate and goji, Blueberry and acai, and raspberry and acai. Then we have the Neko Sour Wafers assortment, and this included six sour flavors, which were lemon, sour apple, extreme tangerine, wildberry grape, blue raspberry, and watermelon. And besides the sour wafers, there was also a tart Neko Wafers assortment as well. Then we have the Neko Wafer Smoothies. It was a bunch of assorted flavors that were smoothie-themed. So we had blueberry, banana caramel, tropical, peach, and strawberry cream. And then this is where I get to the mystery. I think I have solved it, but there's no way to really get to the bottom of it unless we take a time machine back because I couldn't find any evidence anywhere through all of my searching to try to find the definite lost ninth flavor of the Neko wafers. But I researched enough to let you know what I think was the lost flavor. So let's get into this here. Okay, so my method of pinpointing what this flavor was was me going through all of the old advertisements for Neko wafers. I was going through them like my head was spinning. Through the 1910s, 
through about the 1930s that I saw through these old advertisements. They were advertising nine flavors instead of the eight that are out today. So I'm sitting there thinking, what what is this ninth flavor? And I'm, I'm looking and I can't find anything that was definite. So I stopped focusing on the assortment of Necco wafers and I started looking at what they were selling at the time as opposed to what they were selling after a certain point. So while I was looking, besides the assorted Necco wafers, they were also selling other flavors packaged as their own thing, just one flavor in the entire roll. So what they were selling through the 1910s to about the 1930s were four different flavors in their own roll. So we had the peppermint roll, we had the cinnamon roll, we had the chocolate roll, and the wintergreen. But after a certain point, the all-peppermint roll wasn't being advertised or sold anymore. It seemed like the peppermint Necco wafer just fell off the face of the earth right about the 1930s or so. So it makes a lot of sense that when the all-peppermint Necco wafer roll was dropped, the nine flavors in the Necco wafer flavor assortment was dropped to eight instead. So it's like, oh, oh, huh, peppermint wafers are gone. And if they're gone, then it's probably not going to be in the assortment anymore. Unlike the wintergreen and the cinnamon and the chocolate, who still have all flavor rolls over there. (sighs) So that's what led me to the conclusion that the peppermint flavor is the ninth lost flavor from the Necco wafer assortment. And it kind of makes sense, too, because we had wintergreen and peppermint in the assortment rolls, and uh, that, that seems like too much mint. I think there's only room for one mint flavor in the Necco wafer assortment. So, yeah, I could see why peppermint got cut. So I consider the mystery of the lost ninth Necco wafer flavor solved, as it was peppermint. Okay, so all this talk about Necco wafers... I've never had one in my entire life, so I'd say it's about time that we do a cheat day review and see what Necco wafers actually taste like. So let's go. Hey there folks, welcome to this edition of Cheat Day Review and... This is an old classic review. You are seeing a package of Necco wafers. Now, what are Necco wafers? Chances are there are two uh, things that you know about Necco wafers. One is that you've never heard of these before, or two is that uh, you've heard people say they're horrible, they're disgusting, so on and so forth. All right, so... The dietary information, if you really want to know, this is a fat-free snack, and one roll of Necco wafers is 220 calories, so it's just a lot of sugar. That's, that's basically what it is, so let's go over the ingredients. It's sugar, corn syrup, gelatin, a mixture of various types of different gums, you know, Xanthan gum or whatever, coloring, and flavor to give each one of these wafers a different flavor well a lot of them there's eight flavors all together so but they're all mixed up in here so they it comes in like this nice little uh wax paper translucent tube here 
Some of them are broken here. All right, before we get any further here, doing a lot of research on the Neko company and Neko wafers, you come across people that comment on websites, so on and so forth when you're looking for things. And I've been seeing a lot of online amateur comedy hour stand-up acts. They have these jokes that they like to make at the Neko wafers. The poor Neko wafers, they've been through enough. They've been through a civil war, two world wars, bankruptcy, being rebirthed. And then, you know, you got amateur hour online people telling jokes about the Neko wafers. You know, what what did they ever do, you know? But anyways, people have said about the Neko wafers in jest, dissing the Neko wafer. What have they said? They have said, all right, all right. So get this. Here's some jokes for you, all right? They taste like chalk. If we ever run out of chalk, we could use Neko wafers. <laughs> oh, man. That's a knee slapper. Or get this. It's like eating plaster. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to tell nobody that joke. <laughs> oh, man. You like that one? No? <laughs> I know. One more. Flavors are cinnamon and clove? More like nope and nope. <laughs> you get it? So anyways, yeah, uh, a lot of people think uh, they're they're funny with their jokes, dissing the Neko wafer about them being chalky. Has it ever occurred to you that maybe the powder on these Neko wafers are there so that they don't stick to each other when they're being made in the factory? No, people don't think. I have never tried these Neko wafers, and I say it's about time to um, check off another thing on the bucket list and see what Neko Neko wafers actually taste like. So without further ado, let's just try this one first, the orange, and... Here we go. So that's my first ever Neko wafer. Um, It's not really that hard to crunch. It may sound like it's very violent, but they break very easily and you eat away. um, I think you're supposed to just plop these in your mouth and suck on them like a cough drop or whatever, like, you know. Back in the day, there were lozenges, so you just pop one in your mouth. Here we go. Here's the lime. I'm just going to keep going here. Here's the lemon. Here's the licorice. This one is the uh, clove, I think. I'm really digging the clove. It's got like a nice... I don't know, like a floral taste to it. Like a refreshing taste. That one's pretty good. Here's the chocolate. So here we are. This is my life. Quartered myself eating Neko wafers. How you doing? Oh yeah? <laughs> cool. 
Okay, so this one is the pink, and this is a uh, winter green. Hmm. And the last but not least, we've got the white Neko, and this is a cinnamon flavor. Hmm. Okay, wow. That was uh, a lot better than what I was expecting out of Neko wafers. My first idea of what Neko wafers would taste like, just in passing, when I'd be a younger kid and I'd be, you know, in the candy aisle, I'd never look at Neko wafers and want to buy a roll. There's always a Snickers or a Kit Kat or a Reese's, you know, something like that. Overlook the Neko wafers. And I always thought, and it's like, it's in some kind of old-timey wrapper that probably tastes like wood. Ha ha ha, yeah, comedy amateur hour, right? I'm kind of feeling like anyone that ever says that Necco wafers taste like chalk have actually never had a Necco wafer. I like to say the Necco wafers do pack a lot of flavor. Uh, they'd probably be better if you didn't just plop them in and chew them. And just like, you put one in and you just, you know, just suck on it until it, you know, dissolves in your mouth. But that being said, I, I just wanted to get all the flavors in. So let's go over the flavors now and see which ones I liked and which ones I didn't. So this is kind of like a mixed bag review. I guess it all really depends. It's a luck of the draw with whatever roll of Neko wafers you buy. You may buy a lot that you really like or not. But anyways, let's, let's go through. So the chocolate was surprisingly... I'm, I wasn't a fan. I wasn't on point with the chocolate. That's just a no for me. I, I can't give it a 1 out of 10 or anything like that. Cinnamon, though, was one of the top players in this role. So I would have to say it's in, in the number 1 or 2 spot out of the 8. Clove is really good, too. I can't remember the last time I've tried anything that's like really clove. But that's an old school candy flavor from way back in the day. And it still has uh, stayed on here for a reason, because it actually does taste good. Now, the lemon, the it was very faint. The flavor of lemon was very faint, as was the lime. But you could still taste it. The lime is a little better than the lemon, though. The licorice definitely tastes like licorice. Not a fan of licorice, but in wafer form, I'll eat it. I'm, I'm a, I'll be a fan of that version of licorice anyways. The orange... I could taste the orange, but it's kind of like the other fruit flavors, the lemon and the lime. Very faint flavor, a lot more just a sugary taste than anything else. And then we have the winter green, the pink Necco wafers. And very refreshing, very minty. It tastes just like you you would try those uh, uh, winter green lifesavers or whatever. It's just like those, but just in a Necco wafer form. Um, so I would say the cinnamon, the clove, and the wintergreen flavors are a can't-miss. You should try those out. Uh, the rest of them, they're not bad, but it's just like a sugar disc. Neko wafers overall, I'm going to have to give this a 4.5 out of 10 for a lot more misses than hits. Uh, I'm going to have to give this a 4.5. I would recommend it. Try it once, but um, this may be a thing that may grow on you. 
It'd be something that would last a really, really long time. All right, so that is the final verdict for the Neko Wafers. 4.5 out of 10 for this edition of Cheat Day Review. I am DJ Glowing Ice. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And I want to remind you that it's okay to cheat every once in a while. All right, everybody, we're going to check out all the candies that Neko dropped and put out throughout the years. And it's we're not going to like go through every single little piece of hard candy or different types or anything like that. We're just going to look at the hits, the greatest hits, and some of their like more solid brands. And Neko, throughout their whole time, they put out hundreds of different types of candy but some of them were not as prominent. So anyways, let's go through this. All right, all the way back in time to 1847, we've got the Neko wafers, or back then they were called the Hub or Boston wafers. In the late 1880s, we got Canada Mints, and Neko didn't originally make them, but they wound up buying the brand, and Canada Mints are like a, like a thick mint lozenge. So just imagine like Altoids, if you ever had the Altoids mints, they're slightly larger than that. And Canada mints come in varieties of flavors like peppermint, wintergreen, and spearmint. In 1890, squirrel nut chews were created, and in 2004, Neko bought the line. And squirrel nut chews, they're made of caramel, nuts, and chocolate. And then in the 1920s, there was a vanilla-flavored variety of Squirrel Nut Chews, which were called Squirrel Nut Zippers. So even though back in 1886, they started printing things on lozenges, different messages, and so on, Sweethearts really didn't get their start until 1901. So back then, they were called Neko's Sweet Talk, and Neko finally bought the rights to the Sweethearts brand in 1990. Sweethearts was originally owned by the Stark Candy Company, and Neko wound up buying them out. And Sweethearts are little melt-away sugar kind of candies, in the shape of hearts, obviously. And they have all kinds of flirtatious and romantic sayings printed on them. Very, very romantic. In 1905, Neko started selling peach blossoms candy. And this candy had nothing to do with the flavor of peach it was just a pink hard-shelled candy that looked like a peach with a peanut butter center. In 1906, 1907, somewhere around there, Neko starts making Lennox chocolates, and they come in the form of just a variety box of chocolates. 1914, Mary Janes are created, and Neko wound up buying the property of Mary Janes in 1990. So, Mary Janes, if you've never had one, a Mary Jane is a chewy candy made of molasses and peanut butter. And then there's also the variation of peanut butter kisses. 
1917 comes the Clark Bar, which Necco bought the rights to in 1999. And the Clark Bar has a crunchy peanut butter and taffy inside, and it's then covered in a coat of milk chocolate. There's also an Easter egg, a peanut butter cup, and a dark chocolate version of the Clark Bar as well. 1920 slapsticks were created, and Necco bought the brand of slapsticks in 1990. And originally, slapsticks were called the Snurkel Pop. It was a caramel pop swirled with nougat, and it was all stuck onto a stick. A version of slapsticks with caramel, banana, cherry, and vanilla came a little later on. Getting into the 1930s, Necco was selling its own version of a peppermint patty covered in chocolate. And in 1930, they had the Bolster Bar. And the Bolster Bar was a chocolate bar that was filled with crispy peanut butter. So, kind of like a Butterfinger. In 1933, Necco then took over the Lovell and Covell brand of candy-covered boxed chocolates. And then in 1938, Necco introduced the Sky Bar. It was the very first candy bar with four different centers in one bar. Variations of the bar was the original milk chocolate, and then we had the dark chocolate, the tropical, and then there were also sky bars based on the Twilight movie franchise of their movies New Moon and Eclipse. And in my opinion, the sky bar is the best candy Neko ever released. And as the years are kind of fuzzy for these next ones, at some point during the 1930s, Candy Buttons made its debut, and Necco wound up buying the properties from all the Candy Button makers, and they became the exclusive maker of Candy Buttons by 1989. Candy Buttons are colorful and flavored dots of candy pressed onto a sheet of wax paper. They come in the colors of pink for cherry, blue for lime, and yellow for lemon, and they come all in the form as hard dots that you would just pick off the paper to eat. And also at some point throughout the 1930s, there were mint juleps and banana split taffy chews. And as far back as I could find, at least by the 1940s, Haviland Thin Mint Patties were around and existed. Necco wound up buying the property to Haviland Thin Mints in 1994. It's a patty-shaped shell of dark chocolate with creamy mint filling in the center. There's also varieties of Haviland Thin Mints that are filled with raspberry and also orange cream. And then for our final candy that we're looking at today, at some point in the late 1960s, we have Mighty Malt's Malted Milk Balls. Necco wound up buying the property of this candy in 1999. Mighty Malt's Malted Milk Balls, they're just like the Whopper candy. If you ever had some Whoppers, they're just like that. Not the Burger King variety, just the malt candy ball that's coated in chocolate. So there you go, guys. That's just a nice little featurette of all the stars, all the greatest hits of candy that Neko put out and all that. And you could still go out and find these candies as they are now bought from smaller companies that are making them. And go ahead and try them out if they pique your interest. I've, I want to try some Haviland Thin Mints now. Anyways, let's move on now, and we're going to look at some Neko fun facts.
All right, so our Neko fun facts. Neko wafers kind of have a uh, little bit of a history with explorers as well. So in 1913, there was an explorer by the name of Donald Macmillan. And during his trips exploring the Arctic, he would take a bunch of Neko wafers with him. He would use the Neko wafers to somewhat live off of, and he would also give them to Eskimo children as a form of a reward. And then in the 1930s, we had Admiral Richard Byrd, and he wound up taking two and a half tons of Neko wafers to Antarctica with him for his explorations. And him and his crew kind of munched on Neko wafers in between meals just to keep the blood sugar going. Neko wafers have seen the world. They have traveled the world. They have the biggest case of wanderlust out there. And yeah, I don't think any Instagram model can lay a finger on what the Neko wafers have done as far as travel. When Neko was in business, they made sweethearts all year round for anticipation of selling them from January up until Valentine's Day in February. And almost 8 billion sweethearts were made a year. Neko wafers, on the other hand, Neko made 4 billion of them a year. Some original sayings of the conversation hearts were be mine, be true, and kiss me. And there's quite a list of retired sayings that we may never see again on conversation hearts. So I got kind of a big list here, so we'll, we'll go through these real quick. All right, so the list of retired sweetheart sayings are saucy boy, hotcha, dig me, why not, oh, you kid, girl power, Cool dude, groovy, fax me, my such eyes, hepcat, 1-800-Cupid, yeah right, tell me how, you are late, oh boy, let's read, you rock, and the last retired saying was a peace sign on the sweethearts. Our last fun fact is about a bunch of stories of people wanting a lot of sweethearts that say marry me on them. And when they go and they buy packages of sweethearts, they don't get that many. So they'd write into Neko asking, hey, we didn't get a lot of hearts that said this or that or whatever. And Neko was very happy. As long as they wrote in asking, they'd be like, yeah, sure. And they'd send a few packages or whatever to the customers free of charge. And then also NECA would take requests. So say if you're a dude and you love your girl and you want to propose to her by having a bunch of sweethearts that say marry me on it, they would grant your request by, you know, if you pay them a little bit, they'd give you a whole bunch of sweethearts with just one saying on it. So NECA was pretty cool about that. And there you go, guys. Those are your NECA candy fun facts. All right, let's get out of here. this episode of Industrial Industries World Radio does come to a close, sadly, I just gotta say, hey, 
Neko wafers really aren't that bad. And I would say go out there and try them once. And uh, they are what they are. They're a 4.5 to me. They may be a little less or a little more to you. But I will say, if you're going to try any kind of Neko candy, go for the Sky Bar. That's the best one, I think, out of anything Neko ever put out. And you won't go wrong with that. Neko wafers, on the other hand, hey, I could say I at least tried it. Thank you guys for listening, and if you want to watch the video of me trying these Neko wafers, you could do that by going onto YouTube and searching Industrial Industries World Radio. It's a good YouTube channel to watch and just kill time. I got plenty of stuff up there now after... It's almost two years since I've had the YouTube channel up. Can you believe that? It's kind of crazy. We also got an Instagram account. It's IIWR Podcast on Instagram. I don't have a Twitter, uh, no TikTok, no nothing like that, but that's where you could find me. Instagram, YouTube, and we do have a Facebook page, so you can go ahead and check that out too if you really want to. But if you did like the show and you want to, you know, push this show further, you could help. And it doesn't cost anything. All you gotta do is just rate five stars and write a review. Writing a review helps a whole lot more than just putting five stars. So even just write something like, live, laugh, love. I I would rather that than anything else, like talking about the show. Like if everybody listening right now could just go and rate the show five stars and then just comment in the review, live, laugh, love. That would be the best thing ever. That would be awesome so if you could do that do that that's great Ah, i would like to thank kimmy pops for voiceover work giuliano for graphic design and i'd also like to thank you for listening and this was episode 56 of industrial industries world radio and i am dj glowing ice wanting to wish you a great rest of your day and a good rest of your week and i'll see you next week for the season finale episode of season two of industrial industries world radio and it'll be the final episode coming up next week i hope you're there for it i'm going to teach you how to write a song Even if you have no idea, no musical talent, no nothing, but you do have this idea, oh, that'd be nice, i like to write a song. Yeah, it's going to be a how-to write a song and hopefully help you write your own song for the first time. And for musicians that do write songs already, hopefully you'll be able to come across some new tips with all the things and all the advice I'm going to give next episode. So how to write a song will be next episode next week, and it's the season finale episode, so do not miss it. And I just may have a treat after that episode. But anyways... Tune in next week for another fun, action-packed episode of Industrial Industries World Radio. And take care, guys. Peace out.
you next time on Industrial Industries World Radio.